The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect that of the staff and management of Good Karma Brands, but are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests of this particular show. America may have many, many days, but they will be full of trouble. There will be no rest. There will be no tranquility in this country until the nation comes to turn with our problem. Bringing you social and political commentary from his mouth to your ears. Breaking down the issues which matter to you. You are not put here to be a white man's footstool. You are put here to represent the very best in God's world. Legendary civil rights icon, the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the studio. Reverend Jackson, how are you? Mr. Reverend, good morning on this chilly Milwaukee morning. And I am pleased to have one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party, Chairman Bobby Seale. Mr. Chairman, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. From Mr. Eric Holder. Mr. Holder, so good to see you. How are you? Well, I'm fine, man. How you been? It's been a long time. Haven't seen you for a while. The Dr. Cornell West. Dr. West, how are you, sir? My dear brother, you're so kind, you're so generous. So, man, but I salute you and the work that you were doing there. Doing a magnificent job there, Wisconsin. Stream live on 1017thetruth.com. Call in with your questions or comments. 833-212-1017. Join us on social media at 1017thetruth. It may not be what you expect to hear, but I will definitely give you what you need to know. Are you ready for the truth? I want the truth you can't handle the truth now live from the american family insurance studio at the avenue in the heart of downtown milwaukee here is sherwin hughes good morning welcome to the program today is tuesday february 20th 2024 today is primary election day in the state of wisconsin depending upon where you live It's going to be a lot of variation in what you see on your ballot. If you live in outlying areas, you may have different ballot referenda in which you will be deciding on. If your local unit of government wants more money for the things, for the schools, for municipal services, whatever, you all have to decide on that. This is something that we didn't used to do. This is a Scott Walker era policy because Scott Walker wanted to run for election and reelection in a state where local units of government couldn't just raise taxes when they saw fit. At the time, I was skeptical of the policy change because of who it came from. Now I see it's a horrible, horrible idea. In most cases. So if there's a local unit of government that determines that there is a need that is being unmet because the voters and the taxpayers are saying, Hey, here's what is missing. Here's what we need as we move forward. Things are changing. Times are changing. Economies are changing. Here's where we want our local units of government to invest money. We want to remove the lead water laterals. We want more snow removal or faster snow removal. Maybe we want quicker response times from the police. Here are the things that we need to invest in. And so what the local unit of government, like a municipality, like a city, like alder persons and a mayor would say, okay, we're going to raise the tax levy a quarter of a percent so we can have a little bit more revenue so that we can specifically implement these things that voters and taxpayers want to see. And if you didn't like their raising of the tax levy, their property tax levy to invest in things, You could simply vote for someone else the next election. Now, we are keeping the same people, 
but then voting on the referendum to increase our own taxes. I like when we can have more direct accountability with an actual person that moves to raise taxes if you don't want those investments to be made with the increase in your tax dollars. So now there's got to be a referendum. In certain cases, like in Milwaukee, because we have so many taxing authorities here, ladies and gentlemen, there's so many people that can ask us for more money. It's getting tiring. Let me give you a couple of examples. One of these examples we're going to talk about in much greater detail as we move toward the April 2nd election. I need y'all to get ready for the April 2nd election. It's something that's going on on the April 2nd election. It ain't going on yet. Today's election is like a practice dry run if you live in the city of Milwaukee. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to go vote today. I didn't usually when I'm interested in a particular race or a candidate, I vote in the morning time. I like to be voter number one because I'm special. I like to be the first voter. I want to be the first person in. There. I say good morning to everybody because everybody in my polling place, they know me. Hey, Mr. Sherwin. Hey, now. Hey, everybody in the polling place. Hey, old people. Because all the people in my polling place are 117 years old. So if I'm excited about an election or if I'm interested in a particular race versus another. I'm voter number one. Today, I'm not going. I wasn't first today. I'll get there when I get there. And I'll tell you something. I think I might just cast a blank ballot. You know what I mean, Rhea? I'll just cast it. So here's what a little secret. I need to be counted as a voter. It needs to be a part of the public record that I voted in this election. Do you know that you don't have to cast a vote for a candidate to be counted as a voter. Who am I voting for? Cavalier Johnson has a primary. He's the mayor. He's been here a couple of times. You guys know who he is. He's running against. I'm saying these people are running against him. Aisha Griffin, who for all intents and purposes is insane. She is. Don't, don't, no, don't take my word for it. She sued me in federal court because she lost the previous election. She said that sh- me, me, Sherwin Hughes, that I influenced the, I cheated. I took votes away from her. I don't know what I even did with the votes. Where's the votes at? Is they stacked up in my bathroom like at Donald Trump's house at Mar-a-Lago? Where are the votes at, Aisha? So she sued me in federal court. It was dismissed as frivolous. In fact, you know who told me it was dismissed? Alderman Mark Chambers. He's like, Sherwood, I got good news for you. I'm like, what, I won the lottery? He's like, no, your federal court case got dismissed. I'm like, thank you. So you got Aisha Griffin. She'll probably sue me again, just FYI. And then you got David King, who is essentially a black Jesus. So he's running in the mayoral primary. What, who am I voting for? The woman that sued me in federal court and will probably sue me again or black Jesus. Chevy don't need my vote in this primary. And I don't think that there's anything else going on. There may be, I live in the 10th Aldermanic district. There might be a primary, but Charlotte Moore is going to win that. I don't even know who else is running. It don't matter. It might be, I think it's Charlotte and one other person. So no, there's not even a primary in the 10th Aldermanic district. And that's the only thing on my ballot. So it it doesn't matter. The only thing that I'm going to have on my ballot is 
the mayor's race where you have the woman who's insane who sued me in federal court and black Jesus, David King. David King has been running for office for the last probably 20 years. He runs for everything. He's run against Lena. He's run against himself. He's, he's run for mayor against Tom Baird. He just runs and it's, it's exhausting because so I've never run for public office before. It just doesn't tickle my fancy like that. It's not my thing. Don't want to do it. Don't want to deal with all of the things. Cause even if I work really, really hard as an elected official, like 30% of y'all would say I'm not doing anything because your lives haven't changed directly. If I get elected to office, this is what I don't want to do. This is why I probably never will. And I, I never say never, but I don't think I will ever run for appointed for public office. You can appoint me to something, meaning you can put me somewhere in a government office where I don't got to deal with a campaign. That's cool. Because then if people accuse me of not doing anything, it's probably true. If I'm appointed, I'm just going to sit there. But you, you run for office and people make bad decisions. Okay, here's an example. I may throw garbage out of a moving car, disregard my trash just on the street, my block or somebody else's block. And I do that repeatedly as a habit. Anything. I got something in my pocket. I don't want to throw it in the garbage can. I just throw it on the ground. A person that does that, okay, will say, oh, Who's our alderman over here? Oh, it's Sherwin Hughes. Sherwin Hughes ain't doing nothing because look at all this garbage that's on the ground. As they are throwing a blunt wrapper on the ground. See, that's what people do. They, to some extent, contribute to their own conditions, their own conditions of dissatisfaction, but then they blame somebody else so that they don't look guilty. And it's very easy to blame elected officials. If you don't like the decision that you have made in your life, and you're generally in a really bad spot, blame a politician, even better, blame a black one. So there's no way I would deal with that because I would snap off at some of y'all. So that's why I'm not running for public office to save some of you, my wrath. And plus, if I ran for public office and I won, Aisha Griffin would probably sue me in federal court because I won and she never did. So today's election day. If you care to go and vote, if you live in an outlying area, you may have other candidates and offices in which there are primaries on your ballot. But if you live in certain districts in the city of Milwaukee, there's not much. I believe there's a primary for the seventh aldermanic district. That is outgoing alderman Khalif Rainey's district. That is a North side aldermanic district. I believe Khalif Rainey has been in office since, Oh boy, 2015, 2014 or 2015 when former alderman Willie Wade stepped down and then Khalif assumed that position nearly a decade ago. He is moving on from public office, so there's going to be a primary there. Other than that, there might be another aldermanic primary, but not a whole heck of a lot going on in the city of Milwaukee. But I want you to vote nonetheless, because when all of the data is collected, I want people to see, even in a low turnout, otherwise uneventful primary election, that people who typically don't vote, I want them to be able to see statistics that show that we do vote. So you can go and cast a blank ballot. Once you go to the polling location, you got to show your ID. They find you in the poll book. You sign the poll book. Once you're assigned that voter number, you're a voter. You have voted. You get your ballot. You look at it. You maybe you read it, get a flow of the format of it, see how it works, read it over, flip it over, make sure there's nothing on the back. And you can walk right over to the machine and put the blank ballot in and it will accept a blank ballot. How do I know? Because I've done it before. 
There's been other times where I've been so incredibly disappointed by the candidates or it's a bunch of judicial races where there's no opponent. Why why am I voting? To me, that's not democracy. I'm not going to add to the positive vote column of someone who doesn't have an opponent. That's futile in my opinion. But I want to be counted as a voter. My vote doesn't have to be a positive vote for someone else. I am voting for the statistics of it. Okay, so it's election day, so go vote or whatever. And if you're not registered to vote, do it because we're going to need you on April 2nd as there is a quarter billion dollar referendum that MPS is seeking to pass. And they're going to tell you, oh, we need smaller class sizes. And if you give us a quarter billion dollars by allowing us to raise your property taxes with your permission, we're basically voting for permission to have our taxes raised again. You know what happened? You know what happened the last time some taxes got raised? They raised our sales tax. And what the aldermen do? Gave themselves a raise. NPS asked for a referendum back in April of 2020. So this really is deja vu. You know what they did when they got that? That 80 million? Yep, they gave themselves raises and increased their benefits. Y'all must think we was all born last night. But we're going to have some detailed conversation over the next coming weeks about the April 2nd MPS referendum. There's no way. There's no way that I'm going to vote to allow MPS to get a quarter billion dollars. And they're going to tell Here's what they're going to tell you. Oh, we got to reduce class sizes. While I agree, but they're not going to do that because here's what else I found out yesterday. MPS has a $200 million budget hole and they want us to plug it. So they're asking for $252 million and they say, oh, no, we got to um, make the class sizes smaller for the babies. And some of y'all is going to believe that. No, they want to plug a budget hole and they want us to use our property tax, da- property tax dollars to do it. And to that, I say, hell no. Take a break. Come back. Got some stuff I want to talk about. I do want to talk about black owned businesses. The state of them. I was trying to get to this yesterday, but y'all got me all sidetracked because apparently some of y'all want the Juneteenth Day Parade to be downtown. It's a novel idea, but I got a sidetrack yesterday. So we're going to talk about black businesses and some evidence that I have that substantiates what a lot of us are thinking and feeling, especially if you're looking around today's politics. America is on a decline and we've been on a decline for the last 50 years. And so I cannot blame these current generations, the generations of young people, the generation Z's and the alphas and the millennials. Well, millennials ain't young no more. Y'all got gray hair. Millennials getting male pattern baldness. Y'all ain't young no more. But these are generations of Americans born during America's precipitous decline. We're going to talk about that too. Maybe you feel differently. Maybe you think America's on the upswing. I don't. We'll discuss all that and more on The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. If you haven't joined us on YouTube, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to YouTube.com or open your YouTube app from your smartphone or mobile device. Search 1017 The Truth. Subscribe. And then you'll be able to see Telly and Dr. Ken and Tori. And sometimes Carrie Noni. And who else? Who else has a show here? Denise Denise is somewhere near the equator. I don't know where she's just gone. Um, Dame Elsie is here. Some Bailey Coleman. 
who else? Uh, Liz Brown. She works here, doesn't she? Liz Brown still do Tory show. Liz Brown have a key to the off to the building. She don't got a key. What they what they waiting on to give her a key? First year we was in the Juneteenth Day parade. Liz Brown was in the parade and in, in the truth car. She sat on the hood. She look. Let me tell you what happened. And I gotta take a break. So this is before we had our own truth vehicle. Now we have our own vehicle. It's got a truth logo on. It's a Ford Explorer. It's a very nice vehicle. But the first year, uh, a car dealership gave us vehicles so that we truth hosts could ride in the parade. Okay. And it had like truth, like magnets on it. So when you saw the, it was a Jeep and we had, it was truth logos stuck on the side of the, of the Jeep. And because of the insurance regulations, because these are vehicles that are for sale, but they were being used temporarily just so we'd have parade vehicles. And so one of the salesmen was actually the driver of the vehicle, one of the salesmen that worked at the dealership. And so we're lining up for the parade. So Tory Lowe sits on the hood of the vehicle. And the man from the dealership who was the designated driver of this of this Jeep was, oh, I'm sorry, Tory, because of insurance regulations, like you have to sit in the vehicle. You can't. You can't sit on the hood. Tory Lowe looked at this man dead in his face. I'm sitting on the hood. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, Tory. You, you can't. Unfortunately, you know, I won't be able to drive the vehicle if you're sitting on the hood because if something happens, if something, you know, somebody bumps into us and you fall off the hood, you get hurt. There's a lot of liability. And Tory looked at him dead in his face. I'm sitting on the hood. He said, but Tory, no, seriously. And now the parade is starting to roll. Now people are starting to move. Parade is starting. And the guy says, Tori, please just, just get, I'm sitting in the passenger seat. I'm just watching all this transpire. And Tori's like, I'm not moving. Then I guess this vehicle ain't moving because I'm sitting on the hood. Now here comes Liz Brown. Now Liz Brown sits on the hood. Now Liz Brown, Tori was sitting on the hood in front of the driver. Liz Brown was sitting on the hood in front of me. And the salesman, he was just like, oh, well, I guess this is what we're going to do. So you got to imagine this through the entire Juneteenth Day Parade. Myself and the salesman are in this Jeep, and we look out the windshield, and you know all we saw? Ass. Tories and Liz's. Just, I didn't see the crowd. I saw four butt cheeks the whole parade. Just, yep, that's right, Rhea, just ass. Not going to make any further comment. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. If someone was to ask you... How would you rate, or better yet, what is your assessment of America in the 21st century? We are 24 years in, almost a quarter century in to the 21st century. What is your assessment so far? Growing up, whenever and wherever you grew up, you probably had some sentiments about the 21st century. Because if you were around at the time, Y2K was a big deal. We didn't know what was going to happen with our computer systems. Y'all remember the panic? The 21st century also brought hope and optimism. Like, that's the future. Because most of what we understand about America, and quite honestly, the world, was all 20th century stuff. Think about all the things that happened in the 20th century. 
women got the right to vote, two world wars, the Vietnam War, a Gulf War. Not quite a war on terrorism. That was 2001. Civil rights movement, so many assassinations, so many presidential elections. The deindustrialization of the United States of America, the rise and fall of organized labor unions, the rise and fall of the black family and the black community, the rise and fall of geographic and residential segregation, the transformation of American racism becoming much more deeply institutional. Once you had bills, laws and policies that outlawed the overt stuff, the Jim Crow stuff, the whites only, the coloreds only, then racism did an about face. A lot of that stuff happened in the 20th century. That was a monumental 100 years. A lot of stuff took place. Most of us that are here right now were born in the 20th century. There was a period of time in the 20th century where there were people that were alive that were born in the 19th century. So those of us that were born in probably one of the most fascinating and technologically advanced and advancing centuries. What is your assessment of the 21st century? So I'm going to give you mine just on a base level. I'm terribly disappointed. The hope and the optimism that we had going into the 21st century. And also I was young. I was 24 years old on January 1st, 2000. Had my whole life ahead of me, had my whole career ahead of me. I was excited. We're in a new century. It's almost like being reborn. You could renew everything. We were going to learn from all the mistakes of the past. I was optimistic. The Internet was now becoming a thing, still kind of in its infancy. That's one thing I will say about our almost quarter century progression into the 21st century. The Internet got out of control. Way out of control. It was like it was a novelty. You know, what we used to say back in the day, we don't even use this term anymore. When you got on to the Internet, you, you had America Online or CompuServe. Your browser was Netscape. There was no Google yet. The sophistication that the Internet has now didn't exist then. I pay all my bills on the Internet. I use apps for just about everything. I use apps to buy stuff, to order food, to schedule repairs. It's amazing what the Internet has become, but it's just gotten so out of control. But back in the day, because the Internet wasn't really serious, it was a novelty. We used to say, oh, I'm, oh what you doing, Sherwin? Playing on the Internet. Oh, you, oh for real? You, you playing on the Internet? Yeah. That means you were just browsing. You were just surfing. You would go to businesses' websites and just check out stuff. Watch little videos because video uh, MP threes uh, and MP fours MPEGs were just starting to become a thing. Video files you could send and transfer video files. Very few people had digital cameras that changed the Internet, too. When you could actually see the face of the person you were chatting with, because those early chat rooms, remember on AOL where you had the chat rooms and you could go in different chat rooms by city. And then people started getting digital cameras, which were well over a thousand dollars back then. And the cameras that we had on cell phones at the time, which I barely remember. I don't even know if we had cameras on cell phones in the year 2000. If so, they were rudimentary. And if they did exist on cell phones back then, there was no connectivity between your cell phone photographs and uploading them to the internet that didn't really exist yet 
Hell, I didn't send my first text message until 2004. Think about that. We don't even really talk to people, y'all. We text people. We have whole relationships that are digital and and virtual. rather. Whole relationships. I get annoyed sometimes when people call me. Why are you calling when you can just text? Now, there's some people I will always talk to, but most people, mm, no. I do talk radio with varying degrees of success, might I add. One of the ways in which you all can communicate with us on talk radio is not by talking at all, by texting or posting comments on YouTube. Isn't that crazy? It's insane when you think about it. None of us ever could have imagined. I think we saw the possibilities of the Internet into the 21st century, but I don't think that we saw a future where we lived our lives. There was no Twitter yet. There was no Instagram yet. Mark Zuckerberg was still in high school. There was no Facebook yet. None of that stuff didn't exist. Because most of the things that we do virtually now, without real human contact or real human interaction, we used to do in person. We used to go to the mall. Well, I think when did Northridge close? I think Northridge closed probably around the year. Oh, two maybe. So we still had Northridge Mall. Imagine that. The city has finally taken ownership of Northridge Mall, and they're about to tear it down. That is a relic of the 20th century, the shopping mall. I'm in a shopping mall right now, except it has been converted to offices, a food hall, and just a general attraction. I never would have guessed in a million years that a quarter century into the 21st century, with all of the connectivity that we have, that we would still be this separate. So I'm going to take a break, come back. I'm going to start digging into this very complicated and convoluted subject matter of American decline. And the Internet is not helping. All of this connectivity, all of this virtual reality is actually making people more lonely, more isolated, more anxious, and more depressed. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. I want to talk about American decline because we're in the middle of it. And there are two, probably three generations of Americans that were born in what I would consider the era of American decline. However, this conversation ends up being today, it is likely going to end with the best examples of American decline I can give you. And maybe I was just overly optimistic because I grew up at a great time. It really was a wonderful time. You know, we saw the best of both worlds. We saw what what life was like, where everything was interpersonal. You had relationships with people. After church on Sunday, we would actually go visit relatives. Like, we would go to their house, and they always had plastic on the couches, and they always had a, a crystal dish of hard candy. That's, you, you actually went and you saw people. You talked on the phone for hours and hours and hours. 
It is how you communicate it. People would ring your doorbell and you would answer the door. And here's what's crazy. I remember those times. And sometimes I want to revert back to them, but I can't. I cannot. If somebody rings my doorbell, and I hate to admit this, but I know I'm not the only one. And I check my phone, which is insane. Imagine back in the day, if somebody rings your doorbell and you look to see if the phone is ringing. It doesn't even make any sense. But now if somebody rings my doorbell, I check to see if I missed a call or if I missed a text from somebody saying that they were coming over. So doorbell is ringing. Ring camera is activated. No call, no missed calls, no missed text messages. And if I don't recognize the person standing in my door, first thing that comes to my mind, where's my pistol? Just in case. Isn't that insane? All this isolation has made us xenophobic. And maybe it's because I live in an urban area. I don't know what people do way out in the country, way out in the rural areas. Do y'all still sleep with your doors unlocked? I come to find out that people do that. I got friends I grew up with. So this was very common amongst the suburban Caucasians, their vacation homes would be up north. They'd have a cabin or a cottage somewhere on a lake way up north, and that's where they would vacation. Talk about opposites. They go up north to vacation. Where do we go? We went down south. And so I remember uh, this cat I used to kick it with, grew up with this cat named Brad, and his parents had, it was like a mansion, but it looked like a log cabin. So it was styled like a log cabin. It was tucked back on like 10 acres of this beautiful wooded area that had these real tall pine trees. It almost looked like Mississippi. The, the, the soil is real sandy and their backyard was a state forest. Oh, it was beautiful. It was bald eagles overhead. So a whole bunch of us guys, we were in our early twenties. We went up there. We was a caravan of us. We just went up there to kick it in Manaqua, Manaqua and the Woodruff area up in Vilas County, just 250 miles straight North of Milwaukee. Oh, it's beautiful up there. In fact, I've always encouraged black African-American folks, explore the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin is beautiful. If you can get over yourself and get over the fact that you may not see cultural diversity once you travel outside of Milwaukee, it's really beautiful. And I've also come to find out that the white folks out state, they're not that bad. They're not. That depends on where you go, though. Depends. But most of them are nice. They're decent to you. I've probably been treated worse here in Milwaukee where white folks are used to diversity than going way up north where they're not used to diversity. So we get up to the to the log cabin mansion. It's beautiful. It's built into a hill. So it's like multi-levels. Oh, it's something else. Something else. And we park the vehicles. And Brad, of course, gets out first because it's his parents' log cabin mansion way up in the woods, up in Woodruff, just outside of Monaco, you see. And he gets out of the vehicle and he walks, he walks right in the front door. I was like, oh, snap, somebody must be here. His parents must be here, which was odd because we were the only vehicles in the driveway. But he got out the vehicle and he walked right in to the log cabin mansion. And so we walked in behind him. And I said, hey, man, um, I noticed you ain't pulling no key out. You just walk right in. He was like, I don't have a key. I said, what now? We said, no, my parents probably have have the keys. So wait, what? How often do y'all come up here? I don't know. Sometimes every few months, you know, something in wintertime, we don't come up really at all. So I said, let me get this straight. When do y'all lock the door? He's like, we don't. I had to wrestle with that. 
Could you imagine owning a beautiful piece of real estate, a beautiful piece of property that was very, very expensive because they had it built and you're not there for months at a time, sometimes for entire seasons, and you leave the door unlocked because there is zero crime. There's a zero chance that someone will walk in your house. And I got jealous. I got jealous. I have never in my life lived in a place where you could leave the door unlocked for any period of time, let alone for entire seasons. In fact, I used to get yelled at because sometimes when I come home from school, lock the door behind you, sure, and make sure the door is locked. Lock the door when you come home from school, sure, and make sure the door is locked. And if I didn't lock the door, I'd get in trouble. Imagine living in a place where you don't have to lock the door. I can't fathom that. And of course, naturally, you know what I'm thinking. I was like, well, hell, I know how to get here now. And now I know they don't lock the door. I come up here by my damn self. Barbara says, never, ever have an online relationship with someone who you can meet in person. Like if he lives 30 minutes away, but he can't be bothered to meet up in person. Well, I guess that how long do you talk to somebody, Barbara, that lives 30 minutes away before you decide to meet them? And maybe that's a saving grace. Maybe you don't want to meet somebody in person that you talk to online. Just I'm going to save you guys a whole bunch of trouble, a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of money. Online dating don't work. It has been ruined. It has been tainted. It is a shell of its former self. It doesn't work. You can think it does. Now you're going to hear little stories, aren't you? Oh, I met my so-and-so online. We got married and we got babies. Oh, I met my person online. We met on the Tinder. We met on the match.christianmingle.eharmony.jewishmeetup.net. There's way more horror stories out there because it's not even who you think it is. The Internet has allowed people who are generally unhappy because we are in the midst of American decline. We have three current surviving generations of Americans born in American decline, and everybody is unhappy. Everybody is depressed. Everybody is anxious. We literally have. I'm not kidding you. A mental health crisis in this country, unlike anything we have ever seen, which is counterintuitive because we're all connected. I can reach out to somebody in Africa or Asia or Europe. I can have a friendship with somebody. I can talk to them. I can share thoughts and ideas with somebody who lives in a place I have never been to. Yet everyone is lonely and disconnected. It's the American decline. This article appears in The Atlantic, and it examines the American decline. There's another article that I have from TheHill.com that lists five specific reasons as to why we are in this decline. Here's the unfortunate thing about stories like these. It doesn't give us any tools on how to get out of it. This conversation will likely conclude at some point today with the most tangible piece of American decline that I can give you. Look at our two presidential candidates. That's where we're at. Think about this. 70% of the people in this country don't like the choices they have for a president. 70%. Because when you are in American decline, you're not going to like your choices. Everything is going to be lackluster. The worst part about that is one of the candidates firmly represents the unraveling of American democracy. And I know when I say that, it kind of sounds like a loaded statement. 
But what Donald Trump has been communicating, what he wants to do, and then if you read the document Project 2025, which I highly suggest you Google it because y'all like to do your own research. Everybody does their own research. Research Project 25 and how if Donald Trump gets elected, he will have a willing cast of characters to make sure that he controls every single lever of the federal government until he dies. When he joked around and he like when he emulates Vladimir Putin and gives him all sorts of praise. And when he met Kim Jong Un over in North Korea, when he talked about, oh, the Chinese president gets to stay in, in power for life. Maybe we should explore something like that here in America. Please believe him. Please believe him. Donald Trump lies about his money and his wealth. He lies about that. He's a salesman. So that whole part of who he is, that's a lie. What he wants to do to this country is the truth. You got to parse it out because some people think that his money and his wealth is the truth. And then what he wants to do to the country. Well, no, no, that's the lie. It is the opposite. And also the most tangible evidence I can give anybody that we are in American decline. Take a break. Come back. We're going to start digging deep. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 101.7 FM. Make sure you download the free 101.7 The Truth app. Where you can stream this program and all the other programs across our lineup right to your smartphone or other mobile device. I'll be back shortly. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 101.7 The Truth. The Truth app at 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Barbara says, I think 2020 really messed up some people on how they socialize. Some people have become accustomed to being isolated except for work. And simply cannot imagine going out to socialize. Oh, Barbara, it started way before 2020. You brought up the example just in your previous comment, Barbara, that online dating, meeting somebody, you know, 30 minutes away. We have been connecting with people virtually and socializing virtually long before 2020. If anything, 2020 showed us the efficiency of virtual communication and virtual work and people not socializing. There are some corporations that close their physical offices or there's only a part-time in-person workforce. I don't know what the percentages are, but a large number of American companies and corporations offer virtual work. I get emails every single day here at Good Karma Brands where people are learning the rest of the uh, co-workers say, hey, I'm working from home today. If you need me, I'll be at home working from home today. I can be reached via email or cell phone working from home. I actually think it's neat where you can be as productive, potentially as productive at home, than having to deal with the drive and the commute and parking and dealing with bad weather and cold temperatures, et cetera, et cetera. So we have kind of like mechanized and weaponized the virtual world to where now it's it's efficient to work from home. One of my good friends, cat I grew up with, makes great money, makes six figures, never been to an office, got hired virtually, and all his duties that he does, he's like some upper-level management of a healthcare company, and the company's located like in Minnesota. He's never been there. Just works from home, or he travels, goes on vacation, takes his computer with him. As long as he has an internet connection, he can work pretty much from anywhere. But that's there's something to be said about having coworkers you've never met. You've never shook their hand before. You've never had lunch with them. 
It's only via a screen. What else we got here? Creation Muse says leaving doors unlocked is also a way to prevent damage to your property, especially out there, low population. Um, you know, I've so help me understand that. Leaving doors unlocked is also a way to prevent damage to your property. So if you lock your doors, somebody's gonna break the door down. I don't know, there's, there's no crime in certain areas, and I just can't wrap my head around that. Now let me take that back. There's just not a high rate of property crime. Laws are being broken all over the place. In fact, all of the laws that exist, whether it be municipal or county ordinance, state law, federal law, or other rules that if you break them, there's some kind of penalty or punishment. Rules and laws are only for the law abiding. They're only for those of us that abide by the law. Everybody else that doesn't abide by the law, the, they think the law doesn't apply to them and they just do whatever they want. So the law is not a deterrent for those people. Does that make sense? The law is only a deterrent for the law abiding. And whenever somebody says, oh, I'm not going to do that because it's illegal. That law is so that they say that. No, I'm not, I can't do that because that's against the law. No, I can't do that because that breaks the rule. The law is only working for those people that follow it. So it's only for the law abiding. And here's what's crazy. We come up with new laws to try and stop the people that didn't abide by the old laws. So we just make new ones. And here's the thing. They're not going to abide by those either. Oh, we need a law for that. We got to make that illegal. All right. Here, let me give you an example of that. We basically in this country tried to outlaw discrimination. We did. So many civil rights acts, voting rights act, fair housing, so many things. We tried to outlaw racism. Did it work? Did it then when we tried to outlaw racism with federal legislation and some state legislation? Did it work? When we tried to open housing so we had fair housing in the city of Milwaukee. That's why they were all marching in Vell Phillips and she introduced open housing legislation. I don't know, 17, 18, 19 times. Is Milwaukee not segregated anymore? Did it work? Nope. Law is only for the law abiding from the Atlantic. Something's changed in the past few decades. After the 1970s, American dynamism declined. Americans moved less from place to place. They stopped showing up at their churches. And in the 1990s, the sociologist Robert Putnam recognized that America's social metabolism was slowing down. In the book Bowling Alone, he gathered reams of statistical evidence to prove that America's penchant for starting and joining in-person affiliations and associations appeared to be in complete and total freefall. Book clubs and bowling leagues were going bust. If Putnam felt the first raindrops of an anti-social revolution in America, the downpour has finally arrived and we are all getting washed away in the flood. From the years 2003 through the years 2022, American men reduced their average hours of face-to-face -face socializing by 30%. For unmarried Americans, the decline was even bigger, more than 35%. For teenagers, it was more than 45%. Boys and girls aged 15 to 19 reduced their weekly social hangouts by more than three hours a week. In short, 
There is no statistical record of any other period in U.S. history when people have spent more time alone and by themselves. What's really troubling about this, and there's so much more data to back all this stuff up, boys and girls between the ages of 15 and 19 that are not hanging out, they're not getting together, they're not going dancing. Do they have school dances? Do they still have school dances, Rhea? They do? Are they virtual? Hey, everybody, log in to the school dance and you just dance at home? I couldn't wait for the school dance. I couldn't wait. Oh, I used to love the school dance. Brown Deer High School, during football season, after every home game, it was a school dance. We play our little game, whatever. Take shower. I have my cross colors outfit. I have my cross colors fit on. And I step into the dance like a player. Like, oh, my God, there's Sherwin, captain of the football team. Hey, ladies. You want to go for a ride in my Camaro? Oh, Sherwin. Now, 30 years ago. The truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back.